this day and age, there's a very, very famous televangelist from Texas. It's, he's very, very, very popular. I'm not going to mention his name, but I think a lot of you guys know exactly who he is. He's a non-denominational preacher, and i got to say, an amazing speaker. Maybe one of the best. And his, his, his television channel or whatever goes far and wide. I'm sure even right now, they're playing him on, on, some, you know, on some network that you can catch on basic cable. Very, very impressive what he has done to kind of grow his church. Give you an idea, his church is the old Rockets arena to, to kind of show, and it's packed every Sunday. But what's interesting is the message that he preaches. This morning I went in and did some YouTubing of this guy, and he said something to these words, if you are sick, that's not how God wants you to live. That's not how God wants you to be. You need to pray to God. You're not living fully. You're not living completely. You need to go to God. You need to ask him to be healed of the sickness. He said, if your family is well off, but if you're struggling financially, God doesn't like that. God doesn't want that. God wants something else for you. And of course, he says that with a big smile and, a, and a, you know, this, this, this amazing, you know, suit that he has on. And he says, God came to abolish sickness and abolish poverty. This is what a lot of us know as the prosperity gospel. And it sounds pretty good, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to be freed of poverty and sickness and financial problems within our family? Sounds quite appealing. Kind of explains a little bit why the, the old Rockets Arena is, a, is, is packed every Sunday. And it almost kind of sounds true. Until we read today's gospel. Today's gospel is completely against that message. It cuts completely against the grain of the prosperity gospel and, dare I say, proposes a poverty gospel. A gospel that completely nixes the idea that blessings are in the form of riches, health, and wealth. That blessings look actually nothing like that. And so what I want to do today is look at this gospel in light of an old, a much older, much more famous preacher than this televangelist, Pope St. Gregory the Great. Pope St. Gregory was a former monk, made Pope in the year 590, from the year 604. And he wrote this famous homily on the story of Lazarus and the rich man, explaining the, the subtle details that helps us to understand exactly what Jesus is getting at whenever he tells us this rather frightening parable. This frightening parable where he states very clearly there is a heaven, there is a hell, and once you go to either, one, either place, there is no transferring between the two. And so here's his take. He begins by looking at, at the rich man. And he identifies something interesting. He says the rich man is clothed in purple garments. Now, you and I probably wouldn't make a big deal out of this. It's kind of like, okay, look, he wears clothes. No big deal. But what he points out is that expensive clothing is only worn out of empty pride. Expensive clothing is only worn out of empty pride. Bold statement. But he says if it, weren't, if, if it were not a big deal, Jesus would not have mentioned fine purple linen clothing. And so what he's showing us is that it's not really appropriate to wear expensive clothing. 
because it's empty pride. And, why, and what's the case he makes? The only time we really wear expensive clothing is whenever others can see us. Whenever we're in our, in our house or by ourselves, we're not putting on any expensive clothing because we have no one to impress. And according to Gregory the Great, there's an issue there. And so what example does he show us? He shows us St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist was heralded and, and, and famous and appreciated for his hide of camel's hair that he used to wear. The clothes of the humble. Humble clothing. Now, to, to kind of expand on St. Gregory the Great's point, I would argue, too, that showing up in public with trashy clothing or clothing that does not look presentable is also in itself another form of pride. I don't think it's one or the other. I think there's a balance between the two. One, one is saying, I want people to look at me and appreciate, appreciate me. The other is saying, I don't care anything about people. People are, their opinions, their thoughts, their, their desires are, have no effect on me. I'm just my own person. I'm my own man, which in and of itself is the definition of pride. But there's another thing that, that, that the parable mentions that St. Gregory points out. That he dined sumptuously. That for this man, feasting was the norm. And it kind of shows his riches. He had it made. He never, ever went hungry. And then the focus shifts to Lazarus. Lazarus is, is described as hungry, poor, and covered in sores. In other words, it seems like Lazarus isn't really following the prosperity gospel very well. It seems like he's, in a sense, lacking in faith. He doesn't have the blessings that some people would say God is looking to give him. He doesn't have the gifts that some people would argue God is looking to bestow upon him. The poor man has nothing. He's sick, he's hungry, and he's poor. But there is one thing that Lazarus does have going on for him. It's a subtle thing, but it's important. Let me ask you, who is the rich man? Who is the rich man? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. He's completely anonymous, which is odd, right? In the eyes of the world, rich people are known far and wide. Everybody knows the names of rich people. Just look at, at Forbes' top 10 and top, top, 10, top 100 most wealthy individuals. They're, they're published left and right. Rich people are very, very popular. That's just how the world, that's how the world knows them. But in the eyes of God, in the eyes of this parable... This rich man has no name. He has no name whatsoever. Whereas the world sees poor people as a dime a dozen, often describing them by their characteristics or assigned numbers, they tend to never have a name. We just kind of label them as this guy or that guy. In the eyes of God, it seems, by this parable, that they are very well known. That Lazarus does have an identity. That he is cared for, that he is watched over even if he does not have the material blessings that many of us would say are blessings from God. And so we go on with our story. When Lazarus dies, he probably wasn't buried. He was probably because he didn't really have any, anyone or anything. What, are the, the, what happens? The angels come and they take him to heaven. When the rich man dies, he was buried because he was wealthy. He was influential and people wanted to take care of him. He winds, he winds up in the netherworld being tormented. And that's where things start getting interesting. The rich man is there being consumed by the flames. And what happens? He desires water to cleanse his tongue. Why? 
Because according to St. Gregory the Great, probably because of his gluttony with the feasting that he, that he did, and also for the gossip that he committed. Probably talking about Lazarus. If you're constantly stepping over a poor man every day, every day, every day, there's probably going to be some resentment there if you're not going to look to help him. There's probably going to be some resentment building up in your heart. And so St. Gregory infers that the reason why his tongue is burning is because that's where he sinned the most, with his tongue. And what does he ask? He asks Abraham, Abraham, please have Lazarus dip his finger into the well and go and have him touch my tongue to cool the burning on my tongue, to cool the flame that is, just, that is torturing me. And that is where Abraham responds the most terrifying line in the Gospels. My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Doesn't quite sound like the prosperity gospel, does it? What does it mean? Why does, what does exactly this prophecy mean? And what Gregory says is he says, this is a warning shot. This is a warning shot to all of us, and I would probably say just about all of us, who have wealth, who have what you might call blessings, who have things that are, that are, are, that are disposable to us. And what he says is that these very things can very well lead to your damnation. These very things might be the good things that we're receiving in this life, only to be tormented in the next. What Gregory is pointing out, and what Abraham is pointing out, is that wealth is not something to be welcomed with open arms. Wealth is hazardous material. It's radiation. It needs to be handled with the utmost care, the utmost fear, and the utmost trembling because wealth can make us like this rich man. Prideful, comfortable, and oblivious to the needs of the poor. Prideful, comfortable, and oblivious to the needs of the poor. But how many of us actually see it that way? Let's be realistic. How many of us and how many of our Facebook friends, whenever they get $80,000 vehicles, post a picture of that vehicle on Facebook or Instagram and say, hashtag blessed? Am I wrong? I mean, look at this. How many of us go on these lavish vacations and say, look at what God has given us? Now, if if this were my gospel, I'd say, hey, why don't you just take me along? I'd love to help. I'd love to be your chaplain. But this isn't my gospel. This is the Lord's gospel. And what does he say? He says, watch out. This could now this will not pay off very well. And that's scary. That is terrifying. And especially for many of us here who look at who who don't see ourselves as wealthy people, what happens? We look at these these people posting eighty thousand dollar vehicles on their on their Instagram. We see, and I mean, or more or less, or whatever. We see, you know, these these lavish trips people are taking, and what happens? We get envious, and we start praying about it. My goodness! And we start praying and praying and praying. Lord, when are you going to give me a chance? Lord, when are you going to smile upon me? Lord, when are you going to bless me? Whenever really, according to this gospel, we should be saying, thank you, Lord. 
I appreciate not having a car to drive or a vacation to go on. This means I'm more like Lazarus. And we all know what happens to Lazarus. So thank you, Jesus. That's the reaction we should have. I know none of y'all actually say that. And I don't say that. But it's the challenge that this gospel's dig, dig, delivering to us. Is that we need to be grateful. Not for our prosperity, but for our poverty. For the things in which we are lacking. Because what this gospel teaches is that wealth is not a luxury to be enjoyed. Wealth is a tool to be used. It is not a luxury to be enjoyed. It is a tool to be used. And it's a tool to be used with the utmost charity. Always looking to give to someone else. And the thing is, guys, this isn't an option. This isn't a choice that we have. That's why the, and that, the thing, because the rich man failed to do that. The rich man had wealth. And what did he do? He did not give it away. And because of that, in this gospel, he is burning in the fires of Gehenna. And that should scare us. That should scare us. Because there's no evidence in this story that the rich man stole anything. There's no evidence in this story that he was an adulterer or a blasphemer. Only that he failed to take care of the man at his doorstep. That's it. That's why the Christian life is so difficult. That's why our Lord tells us the the road to salvation is narrow and the road to destruction is wide. That's why the details of this gospel are terrifying. And that's why I stand before you preaching not the gospel of prosperity, but the gospel of poverty. Not because it's a nice idea, but because our eternal lives depend upon it. Because the actions that we take now contain in themselves eternal consequences. And every single one of us has a choice to die clinging to our prosperity like this anonymous rich man and burn in hell for eternity. Or to die giving away our wealth, surrendering to poverty like our friend Lazarus and live comforted forever. The choice is yours.